And uh, can you tell me, uh, how did you start being interested in martial arts when you were younger? Yeah, man. Like every other kid, I was put into um, traditional martial arts. Um, something to do, um, especially at that, learn some discipline, stuff like that. Um, started playing other sports, football, basketball, track, all that stuff. And then uh, I was looking for something to do in the off season of football, something that I had contact. So I started boxing when I was in, uh, in the sixth grade. Um, fast forward, got to, got to high school, uh, wrestled in high school. Um, and then in my June, my sophomore year, junior year, I started doing what's called American kickboxing. I did American kickboxing for a couple of years. Um, and then when I got my driver's license or when I was able to drive past the curfew, I was, uh, I started training at Joe Lozon's gym. So I've been at Joe Lozon's gym for about probably 10 years at this point, nine years. Um, did that, took my first amateur fight, uh, banged out three fights back to back to back, um, all really fast finishes. <clears throat> I, I ended up being pretty good at it, which was weird. I had never been in a fist fight ever in my life, never been in a street fight, never hit anyone. Uh, always straight away from any kind of conflict um, and still do. Um, so it was weird that I was, I was oddly pretty good at it. Um, and then after my last amateur fight, I took a, like a, about a three-year layoff. In that three-year layoff, uh, one of my best friends died. Um, yeah. And before he, passed, before he passed away, I had told him that I was going to take another fight at some point. Um, so when he died, I had a kind of an obligation to him. I had an obligation to myself, and I had an obligation as a man to kind of stick by my word. Um, so about three years later, uh, I took my first pro fight, which was a complete accident. It wasn't on, I didn't mean to take this, take this fight. I had enlisted into the military about a week before I was supposed to leave for, for basic training. I, I, I got strep throat. So I, they wouldn't let me go because I was on antibiotics. Um, at that same time, Rob Font, who had been training to fight Thomas Almeida, um, he invited me to go to Las Vegas, uh, to train with him and get ready for Thomas Almeida. And then I figured I couldn't go out to Vegas to the, the Performance Institute and not have a fight lined up. So I took a fight, um, complete accident, ended up doing pretty well, um, and then stuck by my word and then and banged out, you know, four fights in about probably six months, eight months probably, uh, and then got a last-minute call to the UFC and then showed up to the UFC and, and, and made it work. Um, I never had dreams or aspirations of becoming a uh, professional MMA fighter. I never had dreams of becoming a UFC champion. I never had dreams of getting to where I am right now. It was all a complete accident, and I fucking love where I am right now. Hey, you're in great position now, for sure. That, that's fun that you didn't attend to. Yeah, I, I remember watching your resume and seeing that there was like a big gap between your last amateur fight and the first, maybe like three or four years, as you said. Yeah. And um, so even if you never dreamed of being like a fighter first, When you were like a kid or like a teenager, did you grow up around Boston area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I, I, li I lived uh, about 30 minutes south of Boston, so pretty close. Uh, I, lived in one of, I lived in a city called Taunton, and Taunton's one of the biggest, bigger cities in Massachusetts. My high school was huge. Uh, we were with Division I, um, all sports. Um, I, was a, I was a real good athlete in high school. I was a, a pretty a real good football player. I was a real good track player. Um, Yeah, man, it was just, I was just, I always had like some sort of athletic edge over people. Um, I'm not sure if it's natural or if it's because of hard work or if it's a combination of both. Um, but I ended up being pretty good at it, man. And, and I was never, like I said, I was never the one to go out there and get into a fist fight. Never in my life been in a street fight and I'll take that to my grave. I will never get into a street fight ever in my life. I've never laid my hand on anyone ever. I'm always the person breaking up fights. You know, it's just, 
it's just crazy for me to be in this position right now where I'm, where I'm fighting. That, that's what I do. Um, but I think I have a pretty unique outlook. I don't go in there looking at it as a fight. I go in there looking at it as I'm having a sports competition. I'm going and I'm competing. I'm not fighting. I'm not, it's not like I don't have ill will towards anyone. I'm just having fun. That's really all it is. Yeah, it's actually not a lot, but it's like kind of funny to see how, how competitive you are. And at the same time, how friendly you are with your opponent, like like even with Brandon Davis. He did actually something pretty cool when he when he when you lost to him. He actually took the picture of your friend Devin Carrier and spoke about it even post fight because that's probably what you would have done. Um, yeah. if you would have won. And I yeah. thought there was something pretty cool, which means that people respect the fact that you're very friendly, respectful with people. And like if you yeah. were acting like you know, a bit like um, a bit like a douche, people would never do that. And the right. fact that you're so you have to be, you're a fighter, you're a pro fighter, but it doesn't mean you're superior to other people. That's what I meant. And I love right. the fact that you're like this, but at the same time in the cage, it looked like you're a natural born fighter. That's this is it. crazy. It, 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 I mean, it, and, and that, that thing that Brandon Davis did after the fight, that was, you know, remarkable on his part. But that says a lot about him and it says a lot about me. If I went in there going like a, like a dickhead to him before and after the fight, he wouldn't, he wouldn't respect me that way. You know, it was, it was just... It was really cool even, you know, before the fight, through the, you know, through all fight week, uh, you know, I would see him in the hallways and we'd shake hands, we'd talk. He was super fucking cool, man. It's a job. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to like you before, I'm going to like you after. And 15 minutes is just, it's just business. We're going to put on a show. We're going to get people what they want. And we're going to get paid. Yeah. And you know, that's what most people, like, I had a chance to do a lot of interviews this week and I spoke with guys that were like... Like Mark Munoz, Pedro Munoz, together like this one. Like I love uh, Munoz, you can talk about, but I level competitor, and they were just super friendly and respectful. They say, yeah. it's just competition. There's like nothing, no hill willing yeah. or anything. And uh, it's kind of funny because the guys you train with at Chorlozon Gym, like Qatar, Font, they kind of like the same thing. They don't talk too much. They're pretty cool, and they're just super good in the cage a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think Font, Rob Font and Calvin, I think they're they're a bit more, bit more serious with with their outlook with these things, um, for good or for bad. But me, it's it. I really I don't give a fuck. You'll never hear me say something bad. You'll never hear. You'll never see me eyeing someone down. Um, yeah. That's that's just not who I am. That's who they are. That's fucking great. They're not disrespectful. They're just you know, what they're dialed in, and everyone gets dialed in in different ways, and that's just not the way that I do it. And so, did you when you grew up? Did you still watch combat sport, even though you weren't doing any combat sport? Um, I watched like the big UFC cards. I wasn't like a diehard fan. I don't know shit about Strike Force. I don't know. I don't really know too much. Um, once I found out like Joe Lozon was from Massachusetts, I I obviously started watching Joe Lozon. I know I knew who Cowboy Cerrone was, but I wasn't like a diehard fan like like a lot of these other guys are. Like I didn't I didn't grow up watching the sport. It was literally, it was an accident. I wasn't, it, this wasn't what I, what I set my mind to be. You know, there was, you know, I, I went to school. I, I, I played other sports. I, you know, I had, I enlisted, I enlisted. Obviously that didn't happen. And it, it, you know, it plays part in this, my whole story, but it was never like, it was never like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. It all just fell, you know, things happen for a reason. And my reason, I guess, is to get where I am right now. Yeah, it is. That's great. And also going near Boston, there's so many great teams. All around that you have to be into sports, any type of sport, like hockey, basketball, baseball, whatever. They all have like it's a great sport. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely cool to be in the. It's definitely cool to be in the category of other 
Boston professional athletes. You know, there's so many greats that come out of Boston or in Massachusetts, even in the combat sports world. You know, Rocky Marciano, he's, he's like 20 minutes down the street. His, the city that he lived in is my rival city. You know, it's just all these things. It was just, it's just cool to now be in the category of, you know, high level athletes to come out of that area. Yeah, like, like Mickey Ward is from Lowell, Massachusetts too, stuff yeah. like this. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I, I lived, I lived in the, Boston the, for six months, so I know a little bit the area, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, and it's not, it's not like a huge, a huge city. Like everyone kind of knows the, the athletes. And, I, and obviously last year I had the opportunity of kind of representing Boston in the garden. You know, it was, it was, just, it was just really fucking cool. Yeah, actually talking about uh, uh, being everybody knowing you in a small town like this, it's funny when I watch your, your fights before the UFC, you already have like your group of fans, like probably friends of yours that support you. Like they had like the big head with, with, with your head in like the Costa gang. That was pretty fun. And they did a lot of noise even in yeah. small venues. And I felt uh, that kid, he, he looks like, like the Boston kid, you know, like everybody uh, on the local scene, you met a lot of uh, people talked about you because on four fights, maybe they last like what? Four minutes, all of them together. It's like maybe, maybe three, three minutes, maybe. And um, yeah. it's actually a question I wanted to ask you when you start, when you took your UFC debut against Brendan Brendan Davis. So yeah. that fight went a bit longer than the other one. How weird was it that the first punch you threw, it almost knocked him down and put him in hands on the canvas? And did you thought, okay, it's one of those other fight that's gonna last only like for like 20, 30 seconds? Um, man, so what well, I connected, I, I had him rocked uh, quite a few times in that fight. And, and you know, his fight before me was Zabit. And he came, Brandon came up to me and he told me I hit him the hardest that anyone's ever hit him. So that was really cool to fucking hear. Um, when, once, you know, I, I felt like I had, a, I had an edge standing up. I felt like I had my rhythm and, and my unorthodox style was kind of getting to him a little bit and kind of making it tricky to understand. Um, prior to that fight, I had only had about, what, two minutes in the cage. So I was a unicorn. No one really knew. They knew that I was a puncher and I had some, po I had some power and I had a lot of people come to the fights. They didn't really know how I actually fight. You know, so, so I, knew that I, I knew that I was in a fight once I, once I hit him and he got back up and it wasn't really a big deal. Or, he, or I rocked him and then he recovered very, like a professional. Um, but I was so surprised that he was still there after like the third or fourth. I know I landed a couple clean head kicks and he was just, I've never felt like emasculated. I felt like a fucking girl. I couldn't, couldn't get rid of this kid. Like I felt like I'd had no, I feel like I couldn't knock out a fucking 12 year old girl. Like I felt like a child. It was crazy, but he was just tough as nails, man. And like that showed me like, there's a, there are levels to this game. There's, there's levels with the toughness. There's levels with the, with the, with the matchups. There's levels with, the techniques, there, there are definitely levels to this game. And I think, you know, I, I, got, I got woken up that fight that, you know, I had to, you know, tighten things up a little bit. And I can't expect it to be as, in quote, easy or as much of a pushover as it may have been on the local scene. Yeah, that's where you realize how tough it is to win a fight quickly in the UFC. Or like it's very rare for some reason. Like, And uh, yeah, because I was, so you got your four fights before the UFC and you, even though, they are very short. We can see a bit of your fighting style in those. So first you go for the finish as soon as it starts. And so you, you're a pretty good pressure fighter, but even on the back foot, you can swing hard. Like I remember one of the fight, you got back it up a little bit and you saw left head kick on the back foot. Yeah. And I, which is super dangerous to do because you're out of balance often when you do it and you can be counter everything. Uh, I was just wondering if you can speak about your fighting philosophy when you're in the ring. 
<clears throat> so I think that I think the thing that separates me from a lot of other fighters is that nobody really has a style like mine. You know that 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 phrase that there's no one likes me like me gets thrown around an awful lot. But I think it's very apparent with my fighting style that I do like a lot of zigzagging. Like my I'm never in the center of you. It doesn't matter. I can be on my back foot and I'm still gonna throw a head kick. I can be on my front foot and I'm gonna throw an uppercut. Like I throw a lot of weird untraditional techniques, and I think it's a it's it's a mesh of of what my background is. You know, I I don't have the best boxing or the best kickboxing, but I do have a background in each of those styles. And the the kickboxing gym that I used to train at, it was at a a, a Tang Sudo gym, which is the Korean martial arts. So all my kicks aren't Thai fighting kicks. My kicks aren't karate kicks. My my kicks are a mesh between the both. Um, so I think it's very tricky um, in that regard. Um, there, I throw a lot of a lot. I have a lot of weird, strange movements that's really hard to mimic. In my first fight against Brandon Davis, if you listen to the commentary, Rogan was convinced that I had a blown knee. There was nothing wrong with my knee at all. Which I was 100% fine. He was 100% convinced that there was something wrong with my knee. And it's just all the awkward, weird movements. And I think that's, you know, I got, I did, I got into this sport by mistake, right? So I started watching the sport. And I, I watched these guys that had, like, cool kickboxing and unorthodox styles. And I was like, oh, shit, like, that's what people want to fucking see. So I emulate my style around what I think people want to see. People don't want to see you going out there and cuddling and hugging against the cage and, and laying on each other and, and sniffing crotches. They want to see you going out there and fucking throwing bombs and putting it on the line. And I think I do a pretty good job at, at, at really grasping that and, and going out there and putting on a show. Win or lose, I'm going to put on a show. You know, it's, it's uh, the eternal debate we have from the website I work with and just people who, who analyze the, the fighting game is that there is the part of being a great competitor and getting so many victories. And there's also how we people will remember you. Like, for example, uh, one of my favorite boxers ever is Arthur Ogali. And he lost many fights, but who cares which one he'll win or lose? It's always maximum effort. You know what I mean? Right. And it's always something that's very uh, impressive. And when I watched you, I was like, Oh, that guy is definitely one of those action fighters. And yeah. um, which doesn't mean that there is no technique. No, is a, no of course there is. That's, there's actually a lot in it. And uh, when I watched you, I was like thinking of guys like Swanson, Kundit, and even McGregor a little bit. Like, for example, the way you saw your uppercut, your lead uppercut yeah. with the step-in uh, lead leg. Yeah. I was like, oh, definitely took this like punching after kick and kicking after punching, which is very rare in the UFC. Often you get those one strike set up because the four hands gloves, stuff like this, you, you actually mix your kicks and your punch. Yeah. I'm not going to say better than everyone in the division, but uh, differently than most of them, at least. For sure. I think my, so I think a lot of guys that they either have really good boxing or really good kicks or something in between of that. I think I do like a, a pretty good job at having everything like flowy. Not, nothing necessarily makes sense, but you know that there's a method behind what I'm doing. Like I am, all like the intricate movements that I'm doing, that's not a mistake. Like I'm, I'm actively trying to make my head and zigzag in because that's what's going to throw you off. You tweeted out that gif earlier. And if you look at all the little movements that I was doing, I was trying to get exactly what the reaction that I got, which was his straight right hand, which I dipped under. It's the same thing in that Boston Salmon fight. I, that, that finishing sequence, that wasn't an accident. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew the threat that he had, and I knew when he was going to throw it. To the naked eye, it looks like I'm just moving around like a fucking maniac. But to the educated martial arts fan, you can see that I, I am actively trying to set something up and bait something in. 
with my offense or defense, I'm actively moving my head and changing my stances and trying to get you to overcommit on something. And that's when I can sting those shots. Dude, me, I love it. When I went, that's why I put in the GIF, I put on the real time and I put the slow motion so you can see all the feints. Because when you watch live, often it's tough for people, you know, to watch everything. So when I yeah. watch fight, often I watch the fight and I'm like, oh, something happened here. So I pause, I come back and, and I like to give because I watch on the hip feint. Okay, he stopped the right hand through the motion, which is super tough to do. Through combo to get all those feints and reads going on. So I guess I wanted to ask you your training. Do you drill a lot? Not, necess not necessarily. So I'm very free when I get in there. There are like, when you watch me hit mitts, it's like regular kind of traditional kickboxing or boxing mitts. But when I, when I put everything together, that's where I get those movements. So to break down that GIF, let me just watch over that GIF real quick. And I will get, so you DM'd it. Oh. Did you Instagram or Twitter it to me? Twitter. Twitter, okay. So when, when I'm doing that stuff, right, I'm, I'm faking to get, that, to get that right hand off, right? I'm throwing that jab and I'm moving my head, right? So that's gonna, that's gonna get him to throw, that's gonna get an overcommitment on that right shoulder, right? So if, I, if I'm moving my head, moving my head, and I'm trying to get him to throw that right hand, I throw that right hip thing because when you block a right kick, you come over like this. So my right hand is gonna stay pinned to my chin, right? So if I'm moving, 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 and I throw that right, that right hand or, that, or I faint that right kick, his only option is to throw that right hand which is exactly what I was trying to bait. I was getting that right hand off, and as soon as I saw that trigger of that, sh that slight shoulder movement, I dipped and threw that right hand of my own. So none of that was an accident. I knew exactly what I was doing in that time. It was faint, faint, jab, jab, faint that rear kick, get that, that block reaction, and then I know that right hand's following after. That's the only thing that can be thrown at that moment. thing happened in that Boston Salmon fight. Um, so if you watch over that sequence, I can break that down as well. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. I'm fainting, 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 attacking something that's, that's not meant to be thrown to get a reaction of something that I want to be thrown, and then I can slip and sting a shot in. Amazing. And, yeah, I, I, we're going to talk about the Boston Salmon just after because I like the finishing sequence and something smart in it that I like also that they, they kind of didn't miss in the commentary. And I'm not taking dig at the commentary when it's live. It's super tough to call fights when it's live. Like, you just took in the yeah. craziness like like even when Rogan mentioned your your maybe your left shin or uh, knee to be fucked up I, I was like no you just moved like this because I just saw your fight before I was like no he's always moving a bit That's awkward it. like you know leaning toward the sides and on the other sides and so what you said you know the the sequence you, you just break down it will not work if you will not set up all those strikes before so you saw to your opponent I can switch kick. I can kick from the rear leg, from the lead leg. I can also switch stance. So um, it's great to see you, uh, to see you in motion, getting all those reads. And uh, I was wondering if, uh, yeah, if the guys like Condit or Swanson, is there some guys that you kind of watch, keep an eye on them when you start? Um, or is it just natural for you? I guess it's pretty natural. I, I definitely, not, maybe not so much Swanson, but I love, I love, I love watching Condit because he's a very flowy guy. He's not, he doesn't fight like me in any regard. Or I don't fight like him in any, in any regard. But some of his, how he throws things maybe affect a little bit. My uppercut, it's very much McGregor-like on either side. I'm very uppercut heavy, as is McGregor. But I think that's coming from the threat of the kicks, right? So McGregor, often guys want to take him down. 
often guys want to take me down. So if you keep threatening these high kicks, they're going to dip down. So if you can faint a high kick, now you have them to duck down and right into the uppercut. So none of, none of these things are on accident. You know, I'm not, I don't fight like McGregor at all, but no. I think we have very much our, our move, our like how flowy we are. In, in our in our in our lead uppercut heavy I think I think very much are alike um, I don't like I said I don't think we fight a lot I don't think we fight alike but I think our lead uppercut setups are a lot alike no yeah you fight different differently because McGregor is even more like uh, more about uh, very economic on the movement it's more like big big strikes yeah. that explode and it, it just baits you right. into those but it does have that like lead uppercut goes with the head kick or with the right hand that's pretty cool that it does uh, the left hand because he's southpaw but yeah Um, well, I, I realized that in one of your fights, I forgot which one, uh, very early you had that capacity to mix punch with kicks. And I was wondering, you know, your friend who passed away that you mentioned, Devin Carrier, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Did he train with you also, right, at Lausanne? Yeah. Because you guys have the same finishes. It's crazy. I watched one of his fights before I called you now against Wayne Alquist. I guess I'm yeah. not sure his name. And so he threw the right hand, switched hands while he saw it and finished with the left hand kick. And one of your fights, you threw a one-two, the guy turned on his right, and you threw the right head kick. And I was like, almost frame by frame, it's almost the same knockout. Yeah. So I was wondering yeah, if it so was like a Joe Lozon thing. Yeah, so I, 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 was, I held mitts for him, and I cornered him for most of his fights. So a lot of, a lot of his he, – he, like he didn't have my movement, per se, but a lot of his kind of setups for the, for the big kicks were a lot like mine. Um, I did not corner him that night but I cornered him for most of the previous fights and we did obviously an awful lot of training together. So a lot of, a lot of his like kick styles kind of mimicked my kick styles, maybe not so much on the hands, but definitely on the setups and how we're, we're, we're always chasing something. Yeah. When I watched it, I was like, Oh, Gally, this one is, uh, I think it was more like about grappling. Maybe the most stronger. It was like lightweight. He fought that lightweight, right? Uh, Devin, yeah, he fought probably like two or three fights at lightweight, but he had most of most of his career at 45. Yeah, so yeah, I was mentioning what you do with him is great for his family and everything. Yeah. You also created like a, there's something can, people can donate for it for the donation. Yeah, on uh, like a foundation. Called, yeah, his father set up a um a foundation <clears throat> to uh and he donates to um like a like a kid in or that doesn't come from or doesn't have doesn't have all the luxuries that maybe maybe you or I have um a tougher family whatever so they donate money for it. it's like a scholarship to get them off of the street off of you know getting into trouble and get them into something you know where they maybe listen some discipline some sort of martial art or something like that uh last year we put together um a free boxing clinic for for those kind of kids and and we gave them you know, gloves with, with team carry on them. And, and we, we gave them, I guess, like an hour seminar. It was myself, Joe Lozon, uh, Mike Rodriguez. So three UFC guys. And, and we put on a free seminar for, you know, kids who may not have an opportunity and try to get them, you know, into something positive instead. That's dope to do that, Bozer. I, I love that you guys do that. Like one of my favorite fighters is Dustin Poirier because of who he oh, is dude. in the cage, but also outside the cage. And it's definitely 100% legit. It's not like a, a market. It's genuine no. as fuck. And, I feel like people like this, it's, you need more of those in the sport, you know, like you yeah. need to speak with people like this. Like, like I'm fine with trash talk, with the money, with the pay-per-view buys and everything. But like you need to meet like real martial artists and being able to give back, you know, to, to the people. And that's great that you do this. On I agree. I, I, what, what I think is bad is that, you know, maybe guys that have like their, their Colby Covington persona may be getting more attention or too much attention 
than the guys like the Poirier's or someone, you know, that, that is just a genuine dude. Or like you re- referred to as Pedro Munoz. He's a fucking awesome, awesome dude, and his talent is through the roof. We need the guys like Colby, but it's tough to it's, – it's a slippery slope because the guys coming up think that that's what they need to do to get to this position. But that's obviously not the case. But it, it's, a, it's a common misconception. Yeah, I love the one who just talk with what they do in the cage. So coming back to the cage, you mentioned the Boston Salmon fight. I think Boston is a fan of yours, also. Yeah, man. It, but it, that, dude, it was it was weird. There was a chance. So I went when I went out to Vegas with Font. I trained at Extreme Couture. I went there and sparred. So I trained with a bunch of his friends, and then we became friends. And then you know Boston and I became friends. And then we were hanging out at at the uh, at uh, Atlanta at the uh, at the to thirty six. Yeah, 236. So on the, the night, the morning of the weigh-in or the night, however you want to look at it, it was about three o'clock in the morning and we can't sleep, right? So I'm, I'm DMing him. I'm like, bro, let's go like get some fucking donuts. Like I'm losing my mind, bro. Fuck. And then we just ended up hanging out and he just, he became like a pretty good friend of mine. And we have a, a, a pretty cool, there's a pretty cool picture at the weigh-ins. Our parents watched the weigh-ins together. It was oh. pretty fucking cool to see. But yeah, he's, he was, he's a fucking I have nothing but good things to say about him. Before you know, before the fight or before we got the contract, I was like, dude, I got your name. Like, and I and he invited me to go stay at his house and train with him before the fight. You know, before we got matched up. So I'm like, fuck, man. Like, we got offered. We, neither of us are in the position to say no. We're both coming off losses, finishes in on the same card. So I was like, man, like, you know, fuck it. It's business. Let's like, let's go get fifty thousand dollars. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, and so that fight is pretty fun. Also, it's pretty short. This one, like two minutes. And that yeah. finishing sequence, most people, they mention that you're in and out pretty well, which is true. But you're also side to side very well. Yeah. Like the way you position your lead foot in the, in the finishing one makes you be able to take that side step that makes you being out of range, but also getting the angle to get the right hand going on. And I think most people, they forget this. They all, all, always think only like from a frontal way of in and out. Yeah. But they always forget that lateral movement is actually the most important part of the combo. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and I think it was very apparent in pretty much that whole entire fight, but specifically in the finishing sequence. Yeah, like the finish sequence is mostly what happens all the fight. As soon as you walked him with like a, a naked waist, waist uh, straight wide that surprised him, like through the guard yeah. from that part, it's mostly only this. It was only a matter of time before he missed his counter and you get him back like this. And yeah, uh, yeah you know one boxer that I like a lot? is Lomachenko because he took weapons from his opponent. Like he, he will take off your jab, then your right hand, and then you have nothing else. Yeah. And when yes. I watch you, I'm like, okay, that's what he does. Like he provokes you, it makes you, you pressure people. And pressure, I don't mean just moving forward. I mean, just the volume you saw, you make them, yeah. you have so many uh, options that you, you make them, them pick that weapon. Okay, I want you to throw that right hand. I want you to throw that left yes. kick, whatever. And, um, also about kicking and punching, you will see a lot of people that are good with like uh, finishing a combo with kicks. But you, you can even kick through the combo and punch back after that. And this is very, very rare. We, we very rarely see it. And I think you put most people that they're like turned off by this. They're like, oh, what happened? Because we're so used to see like a normal one, two with the head kick behind it, something like that. But you're not right. used to see the head kick. And actually you have mm-hmm. su- such good balance that you can start over. Yeah. And, um, so did you start as orthodox and you also learned to fight Sarsbo with Joe Lozon? Yeah. Um, well, at, at Joe Lozon's gym, um, 
Joe Lozon doesn't doesn't handle my striking because I had I had a pretty good striking background before I even got to his gym. But he obviously is is number one on my my coaching team. He's the my MMA coach, my grappling coach, all of that. Um, but my striking, I have I work with a guy named Greg Rubello. Um, okay. I had I already had a, a pretty thick, box or unorthodox crazy style before I started working with him. So the stuff that him and I work on is is much more like fundamental type stuff. So I think as my evolution goes on, you're gonna see that my fundamentals are gonna be a lot tighter. So when you add those to my already crazy movements, it's gonna be it's gonna be an insane thing. And in the, in the Boston Salmon fight, after I knocked him out, I went and I and I hugged Greg, obviously, because I jumped over the cage and hugged him. In that fight, the things that we were working on, it made everything fucking work. He called exactly what the finishing combination was was gonna be. All I needed to do was set it up the way that I know how to set it up, not the way that he that like we played with. Set it up the way that I set it up and add that with my own crazy movement and that fundamental combination is what won me the fight. What won me the fight wasn't anything crazy in regards to strikes. What won me the fight was the unorthodox movements. You know, yeah, like what the, the movement you mentioned, even like, um, oh, let's see what I have. Yeah, okay. Like even going from like, so when you finished him, you took that uh, outside uh, position with your lead foot, but actually you had the kind of like zigzag that you did to come back in a weird angle with your right foot, with, it's not even a side step. It's kind of like a different angle. That's very yep. representative of how you fight. Yeah. And, uh, you were supposed to fight Martin Day after this. Yeah. And it got canceled, I guess, because of the virus. Yeah. So what's do, do you know what what do you expect now? Do you know when you want to fight? Are you willing to fight during this situation, or do you prefer to wait and keep training? Uh, initially, I said I was there was no chance I was going to fight. Um, but now there's it seems like there's a downward trend with the with the virus, at least in the United States or in Florida. Um, so I got back to training two weeks ago today, and I I, I suffered an injury. Um, I'll be good. I'll be get back to training sometime, uh, probably late next week, and then I'm looking to fight sometime mid July. All right. And where do you train then in Florida? Uh, well, I train, I train with, you know, uh, Billy Quarantello. He's a UFC featherweight. Um, I'm going to train uh, Matt Favola. I'm going to train with both of those guys. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Hey, he fought um, yeah. the kid from Albuquerque. I forgot his name. Yeah, I remember Matt Favola. Favola, yeah. We, he fought He's on 236 good. as well. Yeah, but yeah. Hey, he fought Lando Vanata, right? No, at 236, but he fought Lando in, uh, in uh, New York City. I don't know oh, what okay. part that yeah. was. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, if you would like, I, I can break down that finishing sequence I had for um, against Boston because I oh, think there are a lot of little intricacies that go for uh, it, may go unnoticed, right? <laughs> so the big thing with, with Boston is that we knew, one, he was a phenomenal boxer, and we know, number two, that he was a phenomenal wrestler, and he was a southpaw. So that's a really, really tricky combination to deal with. So all, all of my combinations were off of a pull series where I was going to commit, 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 and then relapse, right? So I defended all of his takedowns because I pulled back before he was able to get off, right? So now to, to go to the finishing sequence, I'm fighting a lefty, right? Boston has a killer, killer check hook. Check hook means like when someone commits to you, your block is a counter hook, right? So he's a southpaw and he has that counter hook. I knew that that, if I got caught with that, I was probably gonna go to sleep. He hits it extremely fast and he hits it extremely powerful, right? So when that finished in sequence, my, my lead leg is outside his right leg, his lead leg, right? So I know that that left hand is no longer a threat. That left hand is not a threat anymore because he'd be coming across his body. If I'm so far outside, if I'm inside that left leg, inside that left, to his lead leg, that right hook is going to knock me out and that straight left can knock me out, 
If I'm outside of it, then I take away at least one of the weapons. So I'm fainting, fainting, fainting. I throw that jab, right? I'm inside here. So now my lead leg is outside. I'm throwing the jab at op in, on this side of his, uh, on that center line against this forearm. So now I take away that left hand. So now I know there's only a matter of time until he has to throw that left hook. I sting that right hand. I put something on that forearm. This forearm can't go anywhere because I'm fucking punching it. That left hook comes off. I see it happen all day. I slip out and sting again. That's literally all it was. I'm, I'm, I'm baiting into that punch. I'm taking away that, that straight left hand, and I know that he has a bomb of a left hook, so all I have to look at is a read from that shoulder. The hook can't throw without a shoulder, so as soon as that shoulder moves, I'm slipping out. So I'm touch, 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 hit the forearm. I see that shoulder move. I'm outside of it and sting again. It was such a basic 101 sequence, but it's, it's a very – I think it's a much, much more advanced with my, with my footwork and my head movement. Because I'm zigzagging in, and I'm only his only option that he can hit. He can't hit me with any knees because I'm outside of that lead leg. The only thing that he can hit me with is that right hook, that bomb of a right hook that he has. So if I touch that opposite side, he throws that shot. I step out, and then I and then I tag him again. And it was, it, I thought it was a very cool thing to say to th to see because I had been working so much on on pulling, 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 but the, all of my movements in that in like to get that reaction were all were all like advanced movements and they were all instinctual on my part. I knew what I was doing. It was never worked on in practice in, 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 that, in that degree on, on baiting that. But I knew that if I attacked that one side, I take away one of his weapons. He's not very kick heavy. I'm outside the kick range and he's going to bomb that left hook or that right hook. I'm going to step outside. I'm going to sing again. Awesome. Also, one thing to mention is that you can do all that because you're five foot nine with seven three in switch. Which yep. I don't know, maybe maybe there's a few guys that have a longer reach than you at the division, but the very few ones. Like yeah. I don't know, maybe Andrew Uel, I don't know if you for that better weight or featherweight, but he has like a long reach. Yeah. But like seven three seven three is, is what I am, and I'm six one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a very long reach. It's a it's a longer reach. And I'm able to comfortably, you know, stay nice and long and throw these combinations and blast these kicks because I have a wrestling background, as shown in the Brandon Davis fight and in the Boston Salmon fight, that I'm not, I'm not an easy guy to get taken down. Boston Salmon, was, Boston Salmon was extremely, extremely tight on my hips. He was deep in that shot, and I flowed right off of it. So I think that, I think that, that shows like, that you're, you're going to need to put something in front of me. You're going to need to actually hit me before you're going to be able to take me down. It's not going to be an easy task. So I think that, that that's, really, that's really cool, and that's going to be a tough thing to pe for people to deal with. Because I'm unorthodox striking and I have very strong hips. Yeah, that's what I could just mention. Because in the Boston fight, I think he shoot maybe two or three times. I forgot the number. But the first one, he shot like a double leg. Then he turned into a single leg. And you spoil very well. And you foot your hips super well. And you get your legs back. And <clears throat> what you do that I love is that you get the fuck out of here. <laughs> once once yeah. you get your legs, you leave. Sometimes people, they, 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 are, they want to stay. Like, why would you do that? Like, you know when someone, the striker, gets a lot of success? And they get into the clinch. They have the opportunity to escape, but they stay in it. It drives me nuts. Oh, I think I lost you here. Do you yeah, hear you me? me. You, yeah, yeah. It, it I hear you now. Yeah. I hear you now. Okay, I was mentioning that it drives me crazy when I see a striker getting a lot of success and they clinch, and they have one window to escape, and they stay there. I'm like, no, dude, come on. Just yeah. fight your fight always, where you do better. Don't stay there. 
Sometimes yeah. it's a ego stuff, ego stuff. Like, no, I want to beat him at his own game. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I want to beat you at my game. That's yeah. That's the name of the game is to fight my fight always. Yeah. So as soon as soon as I got my hips back, I think it's very important to note as well that I didn't I didn't separate and make break. I separated and then I stayed back on top of him. I got my hips back, stood up, and immediately I was throwing punches again. I didn't sit back and then reset and now we're square again. I always like even when I'm defensive, I'm still pressuring. Like it's still it's still a lot to deal with. That's where framing is open and is so important also. To always like use like a hand you know, to to frame there, like you know, use your lead. Yeah. Super important to be able to don't forget to not forget it's mix martial art to always be able in transition to do stuff, to do damage. Yeah. Always. Right. So it's all it's all the little the, the little trend the, the spaces in between the transitions that are the most important in MMA, like striking in between a takedown attempt, sprawling and striking, you know, mixing things up that way. You know, I think there are some guys out there that that it's tough for them to mix it. They haven't quite grasped that 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 set. The the straight MMA guys or the straight jujitsu guys. Or or I mean the straight boxers or straight jujitsu guys. The guys who did jujitsu and boxing and wrestling and all these things and then put them together kind of like what I did. I think they, they have a higher success rate of mixing things up. You're seeing that a lot more now as the sport's evolving and guys like Israel Adesanya and, and, all, and all these these crafty guys, they're, they're mixing things up a lot better and they're, they're closing, they're making the time between transitions and they're capitalizing on it. Yeah, actually, you know, like, unlike 10 years ago, now if you're a young kid or an adult, you can just take an MMA class and just train MMA. Where before yeah. we tell you, well, but go to jujitsu, go to boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, whatever. Yeah. Now you just have gym, legit gym that just give you MMA classes where you learn to kick, punch, everything, but you learn to do it all together. Right, yeah. That's, that's why people, they, they mistake all this and then say, oh, that guy is a great kickboxer. But it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't know how to kick and uh, defend the takedown, def like defend the takedown at the same time, stuff like this. And nowadays, there's more and more people who come up from just learning all together and it gives a great product for sure. Right. I mean, the, the sport is, is everlasting, you know, you know, evolving. And I think that, you know, may, maybe when before the Brandon Davis or after the Brandon Davis fight, people thought I was just a kickboxer. And then I went out there and I showed that I'm a wrestler too. So now I'm just a, a really weird MMA fighter. And I think you're going to see a lot more of these very unique styles going forward with, with, you know, the, the constant evolution of the sport. Yeah, I agree. Big time, yeah, I agree for sure. And so, Martin Day, is it still someone you want to be rebooked or are you looking for another opponent? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, like I said before, I don't necessarily care who it is. Um, Martin and I, we both trained eight weeks for each other. Um, I'm sure we are very familiar with each other's styles. Um, that, that definitely is, as, as a fan of the sport, that fight, is, that fight is super, super fucking exciting, right? I mean, it's too... Okay. He has, he's nasty at what he does, awesome kicks. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm, I'm constantly moving forward. It's, it's an exciting matchup for sure. I'm not necessarily chasing that matchup, and I doubt yeah. he's chasing that matchup either. Um, but I'm, neither of us will be upset if we get booked against each other. I, I, as soon as the fight got booked, I, I hit him up on Instagram. As soon as the fight got canceled, I hit him up on Instagram. I know he's an awesome, awesome dude, and, and, and I'm sure he trained really hard for me, and I, and I trained really hard for him. If that fight happens, it happens. If not, it doesn't. Like it's not. If this isn't that. If we, if need, if either of us win in that fight, it's we're not talking about getting a top fifteen opponent. So it's not really. It's not really a huge deal. There are guys 
there are guys for each of us to fight. Um, I'm not sure of the situation over there in Hawaii or how bad it is or, or anything like that. But I'm sure, you know, he already had, he was already dealing with a two year or a year and a half layoff or something like that. So I'm sure he's eager to get back in there. If all the things right, or if all the things are right, we get matched up. It is what it is. If it doesn't, all right, who gives a fuck? I'm going to be rooting for him in his next fight. That's for sure. That's dope. And for sure, at Betham Way, there's so many fights. The division is so stacked. You won't struggle to find a fight. There's so many, many. That's my favorite division right now in the UFC. Me, me too, man. It's like you have these guys who have my build, long, lanky, and you have the guys that are short and stocky. You have the guys that are – and we're, we're still super fast. We still have that power. You know, there's, it's, it's a very, very weird division to, to, to watch. You know, it's – with 45 – the same thing with 45. I think once you get below 20 – once you get below 35 and above 45, I think you're dealing with much, like, bigger guys. I think right now you're dealing with, like, a much more athletic and, like – free range type guys guys who are like like unicorns you're not really you're not really sure what you're going to get in a bantamweight fight you saw just the other night when when brian kelhar came out of nowhere and fucking cleaned hunter hunter reserve you know like we still have all this crazy power we're still and he's only like five six like it's, it's just cool to see this is such a crazy crazy division with create you know the, these guys physiques are so weird it's it's like it's a melting pot of all these crazy crazy people i was happy to see him win i like him he's a pretty cool guy yeah, he's cool. He's a down-to-earth dude. I'm, I'm familiar with him, too. He was he fought on the local scene back in, in the New England area. He's just from New York. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I I'm he, familiar with him. He moved up in a way, though, for this one. I think it was 145 for this one, I think. He, he, yes. But he's, still the same, really. he's still the same uh, weight on fight night. doesn't change much, yeah. And he fought another 35. So it's the same. Oh, okay. And, and there's a fight tomorrow night. That's the same thing with, with Song Yidong and uh, uh, Cheeto. That fight's at 145. It's very obvious that those guys are 35ers. I think that's a fantastic idea because everyone, is, everyone goes into these fights right now handicapped because we don't have all of our resources. So why cut the extra 10 pounds? For what? We, we've made weight X amount of times already in our career. We know how to make 35. We can make 35, but why, why do the extra 10 pounds? Why not just go out there when it's literally the only fucking sport in the world right now? What's the point of cutting that extra 10 pounds? I agree 100%. I actually wrote an article on Song before he fought Staban. I think he's a very interesting guy, fighter of this profile, which is very different of yours, for example, which means all the division yeah. is crazy. He's a pure, I know he wasn't at Team Alpha Male before, but he's becoming a pure Team Alpha Male product, like super explosive, good wrestler, big white end. And I love Marlon Dera, who's more he's close to the good. type of fighter that I love, very crafty, like you do. Uh, would you think take that fight? Do you have like any any idea with this one? So if you had asked me before that Cody Stammen fight, then I would have said it was going to be Song Yidong to win it. Now I'm not really sure because in relation to Cody Stammen and Cheeto, Stammen is super athletic and moves a lot. Cheeto does the same exact thing, but he's a lot bigger. I think if if Song wins, he's going to knock Cheeto out. But if Cheeto wins, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get a decision win. Either way, it's a super, super exciting fight. It is a great fight for sure. I and, would love to see you fight Cheeto one day. And it's a fight that I think Cheeto finally deserves. He's on like a five-fight winning streak, and he hasn't got anybody in, in even close to the top fifteen. I think this fight makes one hundred percent sense for the bantamweight division. You know, there's a few fighters like this where it's very frustrating the matchmaking because they've been fighting killers outside the ranking forever. 
And when yeah. they finally get to those wrecking spots, they are like kind of shot or like too old or they took too much damage. Like uh, Vicente Luque, for example, for years, he fought like who's who of the division, but like number 15, number 20, but still guys are like, wait. And after killing all those guys, if any, ah, it stopped again. Oh, I finish. Are you back? Okay. It's my Wi-Fi. Who's... Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah, I was saying like, like Luque, he fought tough yeah. guys forever. And once he, he finally got that ranking spot, he's like, they give him the worst matchup ever for him, which was Wonderboy. And I was like, ah, I wish yeah. I could just get guys like Luke and Jeff Neal to fight every week. <laughs> At least I could have this fight all day. Yeah, that fight makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, I, th- I think I think this the Cheeto fight versus the Song fight. I think I think a lot of, I think a lot of it does make sense. Um, the only thing that I dislike is I think that this fight should have happened before Song fought Cody Stammen. I think, I think Cheeto was extremely deserving before that fight. Um, and now Song's coming off. Well, he was, it's like a controversial loss or something, or a controversial a either Yeah. So I, I, I don't think the time – I think the timing could have been a bit, a bit better, but I think the fight is, a, is the fight to make 100%. That's great. Nope. And so you're wrestling. Just do, do you do you have like a wrestling coach you want to talk about, or do you work your wrestling during your training camps? Um, I work with with Low with Lowe's on a ton, a ton, a ton. Um, and his wrestling coach is is one of the university coaches, one of the, the Massachusetts University uh, head wrestling coaches. Um, so I definitely have a lot of wrestling um, people to work with, and I and I help coach at the the high school that I went to. I help coach wrestling over there. Um, oh, that's cool. But I, I still I, I do a ton of wrestling. I do I work with a lot of you know high level wrestler like straight wrestlers, um, and, and and I hold my I hold my own against them. It's not like I'm just an, an MMA guy that has okay wrestling. I'm I have a wrestling background. You're not gonna go and see, you're not gonna see me go out there and, and 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 chain wrestle and take these single and double shots right away. You know you're not gonna see that. But you will see me you know defending you know at least ninety percent of the takedowns that are shot against me. That's great, awesome. I don't know if you have more time or if it's good for you for me. It's good, and. Uh... Thank you so much for all the, the insight, man. That was the, you know, often when I interview fighters, they are kind of like um, reluctant to break down what they do. I'm losing you, man. Ah, uh, come on, if I do you hear me now? I can hear you, but I, you're you're still blurry. All right, okay. Good. Oh yeah, I was saying, you know, often when I interview fighters. They kind of like don't want to break down what they do too much. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they just trust the striking coach and just do, and they don't uh, intellectualize as yeah. much as you do. But for us, it's awesome to get someone like you just willing to break down and explain to the people how, how it happens, really. Like because often people they just believe it's all instinct. Of course, instinct and reaction time play a factor, but you gotta have the game plan first. Okay, I want this guy to throw this and that and in the fire being making them actually fighting at a higher pace if you're comfortable with it it makes you making all those read and sing to the fighter who's like not fighting his fight being stressed and throwing what he knows like, yeah like, we, like yeah. when you know when you fight a guy who has like a big left hook for example and you know that he doesn't yeah. like to be pressured you say okay for sure every time i will put him in uncomfortable position he's just gonna go for his for his main weapon stuff like this it's very important to talk yeah. about okay Right, yeah. I mean, and you have to remember, like, I was, I was a fan of MMA before, and I wouldn't even have a dream of being an MMA fighter. So I think that I have kind of, I'm, I'm very analytical, and I know the things that I wanted when I was just a fan or I was just watching the sport. So I'm glad that I can provide, like, that kind of insight where, like, I'm giving 
you know, the old me, what I wanted to hear, you know, like I'm sure people want to hear like a little intricacies and why I'm doing certain things. And, um, you know, I, I love to provide, I think I'm very analytical and I think I can provide a lot of insight in that kind of regard. You sure do. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> Glad to hear right. that. Thank you so much. Bozai. It was great to talk with you. Hopefully for your next fight before, after we can do it again. Sounds good, bro. Yeah. hundred percent. And uh, all right. Thank you so much. Have a good day.